We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Jesse. Well, that concludes. Well, I had one more for you. I had one more okay. for you. All we right. didn't, I think this one's kind of important. I saw this one on the rundown. I, I just, I really want your opinion on this one. So okay. um, if Drew Pine was starting this game, would you be uh, more or less likely to bet on Notre Dame straight up money line to win this game? That is interesting. I think this is a very dynamic question. Yes, I, I think so as well. Let's just start rapid fire with that. What do you say? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I like that idea. Let's do it. Let's do it. So the question again, if Drew Pine was the starter in this game, would I be more or less likely to bet the Irish to win in this game? I would be, I think, about the same. You know, do I have some doubts about Tyler Buckner? Sure. But the offensive line in the running game is so much better now. And, you know, we saw Tyler Buckner back in training camp. Now we didn't see Tyler Buckner completely setting the world ablaze with his passing, but we saw nice throws. We saw downfield throws. We saw a consistent quarterback when we got to see him in training camp. What we didn't get to see in those first two games was a running game to protect him. And I think it's going to be more about the running game. We said all along if Tyler Buckner had had the opportunity to run the offense and have the same kind of offense that Drew Pine ended up with, I think he could have been just as successful. So is there a little bit of, you know, eh, in my mind? Yeah, but I'm I'm, I'm about the same. I, I feel good about the Irish either way because they run the ball really well and South Carolina does not run the ball well. They do not uh, defend the run well. And I think that those are the two bigger factors, you know, for Notre Dame, other than who the quarterback is going to be in this game. They're going back to their QB one. So I'm not, I'm not concerned about that. I feel about the same, you know, I think it's going to be a close game. I think they're going to, you know, again, like when we look at that point total 51 and a half, I think it's going to go over that. And I like the Irish to win in this game. Uh, and so my answer, full disclosure, full disclaimer here, I'm not saying that Bugner by any means is better than Drew Pine. I need to put that out there right now. When I'm talking about betting my money, I'm looking at consistency and proven facts and data. I know what I'm getting when Drew Pine plays quarterback. I know what that has looked like for 10 games this season. Unfortunately, I just don't know what it looks like when Tyler Buckner is playing a game outside of the first game of the season against a, a playoff team in Ohio State. So 
I don't know what that game plan is going to look like. I don't know the extent of, you know, how he's fully recovered and what he's looked like in this past month. And so for consistency reasons and when my money is on the line, I more so am going to lean towards what I know I've seen and what has worked in the past. Um, And I think that Drew Pine has beat teams or helped Notre Dame beat teams better than South Carolina during the, you know, throughout this season. And so I would say I'm about, I would be 10 to 15, maybe even 20% more confident with Drew Pine as the starter in terms of betting on them to win. Again, I'm not saying that Buckner is a better quarterback, but in terms of betting my money, I feel more safe with someone like Drew Pine just because I've seen the results and I know what that looks like. All right. Okay. Fair point. Fill in the blank. Notre Dame's leading receiver in the Gator Bowl will be blank. Notre Dame's leading receiver at the end of the day against South Carolina when they hoist the Gator Bowl championship trophy will be Braden Lindsay. I think that I think that they had a very dynamic relationship during camp. I think that that was Buckner's kind of guy. Um, and we've seen Lindsey run some very good routes this season. Unfortunately, uh, you know, he had a quarterback that was a little, a little, you know, locked in on, on someone like Michael Mayer, uh, you know, throughout the season. And again, I saw a clip, you know, with that post route that he runs against Stanford, that Pine completely overthrows him. I don't think that um, I don't think that that Buckner misses that throw. And I just think that someone like Lindsey will benefit from a guy who's a little bit more pinpoint and who can read. Coverage is a little bit better. He's going to keep his eyes open, you know, through 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 the whole progression. He's not just looking kind of for one guy. So, and again, Lindsey's been here for a while. I just think he's due. Um, he's been a class act this entire season, despite not having probably the production um, that he wants. So, I just think this is his his kind of big game this year. I think Lindsey's going to do it and be the offensive leader receiving wise. I like that. I like that, and that would be great if he could, you know, kind of end this on that. High note, and he still hasn't officially, you know, made an announcement on if he's coming back or not. It, it seems like he's leaning towards not, but that would be that. That's a good pick. I like that, it, you know, because you know, again, that goes off tendency a little bit, especially compared to what we saw this season. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You know, I I keep going back to that Fiesta Bowl last year, just from, you know, especially the first half perspective 
where you had Lorenzo Styles, who had 16 catches all season, and he goes for eight for 136 in the Fiesta Bowl. And then, like, Chris Tyree had 18 receptions all year, six for 115 in the Fiesta Bowl. So I keep going back to Tobias Merriweather or Chris Tyree. Now, Merriweather could, from a yardage standpoint, you know, again, because of the speed and the skill set he has, I don't see him being, like, bulk quantity receiver type like I could see him for you know like two to three catches and you know you know 75 ish 85 yards potentially you know again just based on that speed of load I see Tyree being the guy and I don't I don't know if it's just because that's what I want or not but you know again they figured out a way to use his unique skill set last year and use it against some mismatches against a team that was good against the run Oklahoma State and they found a way to exploit that. I think that Notre Dame can isolate and exploit some South Carolina linebackers in this game and, again, get some mismatches with Chris Tyree. So I'm going to go with Tyree as the leading receiver in this game. Like, I could see, like, you know, Tommy says Styles, Derek says Colsey. You know, I could go with Styles, but he's just been so up and down throughout the course of the season. I like the direction that Colsey is trending, but he's been kind of more that you know, make the clutch third down reception. He he also hasn't made uh, made the catches in bulk in quantity this season. So, Jess, here's what Tyler Buckner had to say when he was asked about Notre Dame bringing in a transfer portal quarterback. Quote, I honestly figured they'd bring in someone just because there's kind of been rumblings about it, and I understand. If somebody gets hurt, you need more depth in the room. You need people. End quote. So that's what Tyler Buckner said over the weekend when he was asked about Notre Dame and the possibility of bringing in a portal quarterback. What do you think about what he said? Yeah, I think he made some good statements and kind of made the statement that I that you would make as as the guy who's potentially QB two or QB one on the depth chart and not QB three or QB four on the depth chart. I mean, let's be honest. That's the reason. If he he wouldn't be making those same comments if he was in you know, Drew Pine's position at the end of the season. We all knew that Buckner was going to, you know, essentially resume the kind of hierarchy and be above Pine by the end of the season. And so when you talk about bringing a transfer in, Buckner knows that he's either going to be one or two. He's going to beat the guy out for that spot, or he's, you know, more than likely going to get beat out, you know, for the spot. But at least there's a guaranteed competition and a guaranteed competition at a higher rate, you know, compared to someone like Drew Pine. So I think it makes sense. And I think it's just kind of like the, you know, the, the right thing to kind of say in the moment, I, it definitely makes sense. You want depth in the room. You want talent in the room. It only is going to make, you know, everyone better at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, I think that, I think it's, he sounds like a guy who's accepted the challenge. It's interesting. Right. And I, I didn't hear what Tommy Gunn, you know, what Tommy's talking about saying that, that Sean and Malik apparently on the lefty, lucky lefty podcast, they were talking about, you know, Buckner, like he might be on his way out. Also, that's not what I read into this at all. You know, I I felt like, you know, this was a guy who, again, accepted the challenge. You know, he, he might not like the fact that they're bringing in a quarterback, but, you know, they absolutely, at the very least, need depth in the room, especially when, you you know, you lose Drew Pine to the transfer portal. And it, to me, it just seemed like a guy, you know, who's ready to go for it this spring he's back he's back in the in the in the qb1 position right now and he's ready to battle for the job in the spring if and when they do bring somebody in so uh, i think he said 
the right thing. And, and, you know, like I have a hard to, you know, cause that was, you know, based on the stuff that I saw, I didn't see him say much more on this subject beyond that. So I, I have a hard time, you know, kind of seeing where, you know, they would be thinking that he would be leaving, but I don't know. Every, like, as, like I've said before, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but I like what he said personally. Same. So the NCAA has issued a one-time blanket waiver to allow FBS players who are redshirting this season to play in the postseason bowls without the bowl game counting against the four-game limit to redshirt. What do you think about this move? I'm kind of on the fence about this one because I, I like at the end of the day guys getting the opportunity to play and not losing, you know, their red shirt. Um, and I don't know, you know, what the ultimate deciding factor was. But then at the end of the day, you have guys, you know, in the prior years when they first started out who red shirted and, and didn't get this opportunity. So it kind of screws over some of these people. I think it's almost like an experimental type thing you know, kind of figuring out if this is a plus or minus for some schools. And then depending on, you know, whatever they're looking for, you know, results they're looking for out of this, I think that we might see it again going forward, meaning that you get four games plus the bowl game, you know, that could end up being the new rule. It just, to me, feels like something that's very kind of experimental at this stage. Um, and I like it because again, you get to see guys, you know, potentially that you haven't seen in a while, and then you can, you know, assess where they were at the beginning of the year compared to the end of the year. But it's just not really fair to the guys who had a red shirt in the past who don't get to play in this extra game. Yeah. Tommy said, why did they do it? Any explanation? And when did they decide this? This just came out. I think it was like middle of last week, end of last week. And it was a topic we were going to get to on Friday. And then it kind of got pushed to the back burner. So here we are. Um, you know, one, of course, it's the NCAA. So they don't really explain anything. But one thing that it could address is like you do have all these you know players in the transfer portal right now so like for example you know like really you know I went through and, and looked at all of Notre Dame's guys the first thing that I thought about was okay it's kind of cool that they're doing this but if they were going to do it why didn't they make this decision a month ago like at the beginning of November when teams are heading into the home stretch of the season and they're and they're managing these kind of things with different players because like Jalen Sneed, for example, just to use him as an example, he's played in three games this year, and now because you can play four before this rule was enacted, you know you're kind of saving that fourth game for the bowl game, and I, that was kind of part of you know Marcus Freeman talked about that at one point in November. There were different guys they were looking at. Jabron Payne being another guy. He's played in three. Number four will be his bowl game. Well, if this rule had been in place in early November instead of after the regular season ended, all these guys who've played three games and were saving their fourth game for the bowl game could have played in at least one more game this year and then got a fifth game in the bowl game. So, again, it's like typical NCAA stupidity that, okay, they're going to throw you this bone and maybe it helps out. And, you know, and I don't know if the whole, all the movement with the transfer portal and stuff like that is, is part of the reason they're doing this. It could be since a record number of, of guys are, you know, are, you know, continually going into the transfer portal. But again, they knew the transfer portal was going to be a thing. It's something they could have decided either before the season began or at least, you know, before November began. 
that would have allowed guys to get on the field for even one more game rather than, you know, like I said, waiting until the regular season ended. So I like it, but, you know, it's the NCAA. They, they could have done this sooner and could have got more guys on the field sooner. Yeah, and a point that I didn't really think of and it kind of got brought up to the chat and by yourself is this has to be uh, the NCAA being able, you know, seeing what's going on with the portal and saying, all right, let's throw some of these guys a bone and potentially declutter the portal and give these guys, you know, basically you're allowing guys who are maybe considering, you know, leaving after a redshirt season, the opportunity to get even more playing time and to show themselves a little bit more, maybe have a little bit more success and then feel better about their standing, you know, on the roster and where they stand, you know, with, with these teams. So to me, it definitely feels like a move by the NCAA to kind of cut down or declutter some of this transfer portal potentially. Yeah. And so what it means is any player who has played in four games to this to this point would preserve their redshirt year if they play <laughs> in a fifth game in the bowl game. So that's what it means. So if you played in four you can play in this one, a fifth one, and it does not count against your red shirt. Obviously, if you've already played five, then that doesn't matter. But you can have you can have had four. But you know, like again, the players I mentioned, Notre Dame has a handful of guys who have played in three games and will now be able. You know, it it wouldn't have affected them anyway because this was going to be their fourth game. Fill in the blank. It's blank that according to Zach Kiefer of the Athletic. Multiple league sources are quote-unquote convinced that Indianapolis Colts owner Jim Ursay has Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh at the top of his wish list to become the team's next head coach. Uh, it is very eager or hopeful that Mr. Ursay has Harbaugh at the top of his list because I think that door is unfortunately closed. I think if Harbaugh wanted to make that move, he would have made it uh, either last year or the year before that. And I say that because he was kind of going through it in the Big Ten. He'd been there for a decent amount of years, and he wasn't really beating the teams that you get paid to beat at the University of Michigan, right? He was struggling with Ohio State. He was a struggling uh, with Michigan State. He was struggling uh, with Penn State. And so in my opinion, I, I just really believe that that door has closed, and I think he's kind of sold mm-hmm. his soul to being in college the rest of his career, especially with back-to-back playoff appearances that he's had, beating Ohio State two years in a row now. I just think that that door, okay, it might not be completely closed, but it's more closed than it was in the past. I don't know. I mean, he wanted that Minnesota job, and obviously they decided not to go with him, and he had to stay. And, I mean, he had to kind of address it to his team. And there have been, I think, some rumblings this season that maybe he's still interested in the NFL. The Colts would make sense. And, I mean, the the matchup with, you know, the the connection to Ursay makes sense since – I mean, it's been 20 plus years, gosh, 25 or so years, you know, when when Jim Harbaugh was playing with the Indianapolis Colts. And, you know, I, he seems to want to go there. And like, if I'm the Colts, you know, you can like Jim Harbaugh or hate him, but you can't argue with this track record of success. You know, yeah, turning he's good Stanford, at Stanford. He went to an NFL Super Bowl. He's now in two playoff appearances with Michigan. That's right. He's a winner, whether you think he's quirky or you like him or not, he gets the job done eventually. Well, and with what the Colts have on their roster right now as well, I mean, they're wasting Quentin Nelson's career at this point with what they've done the last three years, completely regressing every year. And, you know, they've still, you know, 
They've still got a great offensive line, and the offensive line itself has been up and down. I think you hire Jim Harbaugh, and that's going to you know change in a relatively quick amount of time because, again, that's what's happened everywhere he has gone. You've got Jonathan Taylor. You're wasting his best years right now. You know, if Shaquille Leonard on the defense. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I I think it would actually be a great fit for them. Yeah, I I think it'd be a great hire. I just don't know how much, how, again, how How realistic that door is. is. And especially after having to address his team um, after everything with the Vikings last year, I think he had to put to bed a lot of the, or at least make some, some statements of, you know, I'm done with that. I, you know, I wanted one last maybe chance. I'm fully committed now. And then if you go back on your word, I just, I mean, I, at the end of the day, I know a lot of people go back on their word, especially coaches, players, when it comes to, you know, the NCAA and NFL, but I just, I don't think it's as good of a look. And I think he had to kind of commit back to really having that door closed on the NFL. Travis wants to know if PJ Fleck will be fired. I mean, I don't know where else Minnesota's going to go right now, you know, and was, did, did they underachieve? Probably. No more row in the boat. No more row in the boat. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I think he's safe. I think he is Minnesota. too. I just think it, yeah, this if, if they wanted to make their move, they, they would have made their move. I, I, I just think that again, it's Minnesota. What 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 success have they really had that says, okay, we're gonna fire our coach again and try to, you know, completely redo this whole thing. Right. So the Vikings, of course, pulled off the biggest comeback in NFL history. Speaking of the Colts, when they came from 33 down to beat the Colts <laughs> Saturday, the Raiders. Beat the Patriots in the walk-off double lateral interception return for a touchdown by Chandler Jones. Which do you think you'll remember the most ultimately? Um, I think it's funny what Chandler Jones. He, I, I was watching this uh, uh, first things first with Nick Wright and Kevin Wilds, um, and Kevin Wilds is a is a big Patriots fan. And yesterday, every time they kept trying to go to these graphics. Uh, they kept bringing up, you know, uh, Mac Jones getting stiff arms into the ground. And so it was, it was a funny kind of time. I just think we'll get over it a lot. Like, you know, I know the butt fumble gets brought up a lot. But in, in my opinion, I think that the, 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 the collapse by the Colts will be kind of what's more remembered just solely because of, again, it was their one of their better performances. Um, and it's it's the biggest comeback ever in the NFL. And so that kind of stuff sticks until someone else breaks it, right? Like it, when a team gets down big, Tony Romo is going to come on and say, well, the largest deficit ever overcome is right. the Vikings when they came back and beat the Colts. So I just think it's one of those things that will naturally kind of keep getting brought up or reoccurring when a team starts to kind of make a, you know, some sort of comeback or when a team gets down big and they'll be like, oh, you remember when the Vikings came back? It's, you know, nothing's impossible. So I just think that that's the one that's going to stick more going forward. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because there, there used to be, you know, like the, the wrong way runs, you know, all this different stuff, you know, all these crazy plays from like the 70s and 60s and stuff like that in the NFL. We haven't seen a lot of this craziness. What's What's the most bizarre about the Patriots Raiders, you know, the miracle, I think, is as uh, um, John Christophic said, is the fact that one, it's the Patriots, and like it's so unlike a Bill Belichick team to do something like that. Two, it's a tie game. You know, it's it's like you're in a basketball game and and you start fouling in a tie game or you start fouling when you're ahead, you know, even like all they had to do was go down and the game goes to overtime. If you're behind in the game, that's when you start, you know, all the laterals and all that stuff. In a tie game, just go down, go out of bounds, and the game's going to go to overtime. You've got a chance. But instead, two of the better players on the team make two of the biggest boneheaded plays of all time. And that's stiff arm, just the total facial on demoralizing on Mac Jones. And it's like, I've heard some people criticize Mac Jones. That's a defensive end who, you know, who intercept or not. I guess I that mean, was technically that's not even, that's like an all pro defensive end. That guy yes, is, that is a man size man on a second year quarterback. And he just stiff armed him and threw him to the ground. There wasn't much more Mac Jones could have done in that situation that is full man strength that Chandler Jones had and so I I think you're probably right you know like the biggest comeback is always going to be referenced when a team gets down it's like oh the Vikings you know they came from 33 down Jim and you know all that kind of stuff so I think that ultimately bigger picture that'll be remembered more but you know just the image of the double lateral in a situation where you should not have been lateraling even once and it gets run back for a touchdown like that in walk-off fashion is like, it's, it's still going to be pretty unforgettable. (laughs) Oh, Tommy, Tommy just wants to throw the salt in, you know? Yeah. It's unfortunate because, you know, they, they, instead of, you know, when the Cowboys got up big against the Vikings, they just put their foot on the throat and won 40 (laughs) to three. That's right. (laughs) So there's a, a good chance that Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts is going to miss Saturday's NFC East showdown against the Cowboys. Scale of 1 to 10, how much does it matter to you if Hurts misses this game? Uh, on a scale of 1 out of 10 and 10 being I care a lot, Ten, uh, it's a 10 for me. I want Jalen Hurts to play that game solely because, you know, if the Cowboys do win and Jalen Hurts doesn't play, I don't want there to be that lingering excuse uh, that, you know, the Eagles didn't have their quarterback, which is a large excuse because in the first game, the Cowboys didn't have their quarterback. I want to see best on best. And unfortunately, if Jalen Hurts doesn't play, I'm afraid we're not going to see that until the playoffs potentially. So, you know, maybe that makes for an even better playoff game. Uh, but for me, and especially after last week with how they crumbled against Jacksonville in the second half, I want to see a redemption in a team that actually wants to be out there and play 
an entire, you know, entire full game um, and win a meaningful game as they're trying to wrap this season up. So I really want Jalen Hurts to be healthy and play that game. Shy Town says two. Derek says zero. <laughs> and I agree with Derek. It is zero for me. Dak Prescott missed the first game between the two and the Eagles won. You know, so I don't care if Jalen Hurts is out there or not. W is all that matters. I don't care who's on the other <laughs> side. The W is all that matters. This is the NFL, and they all get paid. You know, Cooper Rush won some games for the Dallas Cowboys as the backup. You know, you could even argue that there, there, you know, some times when he's played better than Dak Prescott this season. Um, so I don't care. You know, and there, you know, I, I saw some people today on NFL Network. Oh, Gardner Minshew, don't overrule Gardner Minshew. You know, it's right. You know, Gardner Minshew had his moments when he was in Jacksonville, and he's a decent backup quarterback. But I, I don't care if it's Jalen Hurts or Minshew or or freaking Ian Book out there. The W is all that matters in the end. And you know, ultimately, this game is not going to matter that much. Both teams are going to be in the playoffs. The only thing that matters is the seeding. You know, I, I want the Cowboys to beat the Eagles and I don't care who's out there at quarterback. You know, <laughs> do, you, do you want to beat the, you know, the, the best possible guys? I guess. But, you know, again, the Eagles weren't concerned about that when they beat Dallas earlier this season. You know, all they did was was run their mouths about how they beat Dallas. So here's the rematch. I, I, I don't care who's out there. I just want the win. Two things. One, yes. And I would also take the loss if they could turn around and beat him in the playoffs. I've said that before, too. Right. And so at the end of the day, there's two things. One, as long as they win, I really don't care. I just want to be at this point in the season, if they do lose, I just want it. I want there to be a, a, a I want to know where they stand against the Eagles and what they look like at full strength, knowing that they're going to potentially play them um, against them, you know, play play them in the in the in the playoffs. And then. Number two, I saw I saw Travis drop some nonsense in the chat. The Cowboys choke in December. I did a quick search. In the last five years, the Cowboys have a 72 win percentage. Well, they're uh, actually good in December. So that means January, in December, the they win three around. out of four games. Yeah, if you made the January statement, that would be more accurate. So come on, come That's on, bro. Right. If you're gonna be, if you're gonna start Let's throwing some real. stuff out there, at least get the right month in there. But yeah, you know, I'm largely kidding at the end of the day. You, you know, if you if you want to get me fired up, just just say anything negative about the Cowboys, and I, I can't bite my tongue. So you'll get yes. some sort of response or reaction. By the way, um we had some uh we had some nice comments coming our way in the uh, excuse me, champions lounge in the premium chat room today. Did they tell people how much they was some people threw some compliments you. at us? They like you. They like, you know, and we appreciate that for sure. <laughs> What'd you say? So was there some confessions in there about how much people enjoy me? Is that what you're getting at? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd say I'm a more rational you like know, I said, voice both of us. on the show. Both of us. Um, you know, Vince, eh, not so much, you know. Yeah, I mean, don't tell him I said it, but Vince, come on. I kid. Vince, Vince, <laughs> Vince got a couple. I think Charlie Weiss's belt loop, you know, through through Vince some love as well. But I appreciate we we appreciate all of you. And um signing day tomorrow. Do you have a prediction? Do you have a Peyton? Do you want to wrap up with a Peyton Bowen prediction? Or do you wanna just hold your tongue and we can talk about the result on uh on Thursday? You know, I, I, I like what you talked about earlier 
Um, I really truly believe it is 50-50 at this point. And the reason why I think it's 50-50 is if it was definitely Oklahoma, he would have he would have made that decision um, right now. And I think the same can be said about Notre Dame. If it was definitely Notre Dame, he wouldn't have even you know uh, potentially gave thought or attention to any of these any of the Oklahoma um, offers. So I just think that it's definitely still on the table because he hasn't went one way or the other, but I think it says a lot that Notre Dame is still kind of standing. I think they took that haymaker punch and I think he wanted to see how they responded, how they got up, you know, off the, off the canvas essentially. And I think that that shows a lot to him, maybe more so than what the money is, you know, between uh, Oklahoma and Oregon. Um, But I I think at the end of the day, it's going to be Notre Dame. And I think it's going to come, it's going to, I don't think he necessarily knows yet, but I think, and when all things are considered, I think Notre Dame is going to make it. And because of what I said, they got hit with a hard haymaker. And I think if they were down and out for the count, we would know by now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was thinking about this today. I, I think it could go both ways because he very easily could have just come out and said, I'm committed to Notre Dame. I'm going to Notre Dame. But he didn't say that. Now, you know, so you can look at that as a negative, but you can also look at it on the other side, like since. You know, the tweet that he had around a week or so ago at this point, I guess it's been maybe a little bit more or a little bit less than a week, you know, where he just said, I'm going where I'm, you know, it's not based on money. I'm going where I'm going, you know, whatever the exact tweet was, you know, since then it hasn't, we haven't heard anything. The Notre Dame players have been pitching him. Marcus Freeman's been pitching him. You know, maybe the silence is because, you know, one, he's actually, you know, given some consideration, they're making him think long and hard about it. And two, by not saying anything one way or the other, you know, like maybe you, 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 uh, you silence some of the other side as well, you know, the other side coming at him, you know, but although I'm sure that they're still making their pitch to him as well. So I don't know. It's really interesting. It's, it's, it's coming down to crunch time and, uh, I think I'm just leaning the other way. Like you're you're leaning on the positive side. Unfortunately, I'm leaning the other way. But he hasn't said anything, and we'll see. And we'll talk about it on tomorrow night's show. Yeah, I, it sounds like I thought I saw something a little bit, uh, you know, go in the chat. For those who don't know, there's going to be a recruit a Palooza uh, show tomorrow. You know, before in the in the afternoon, kind of live, going through all you know all the different signings that happen, and then like you mentioned, Ryan Roberts will be here which is the main recruiting guy for Irish Breakdown, to talk about some of those signings, either good or bad, guys who maybe they didn't expect to get or maybe guys who flipped uh, last second. So it's definitely tomorrow is going to be a jam-packed day of talking about recruiting and, and, you know, the results of recruiting. Yep, busy day at Irish Breakdown. Thanks again for being here tonight. Hit the like button on your way out. If you would, we will talk to you tomorrow. And it is a mailbag show. And like Jesse said, Ryan Roberts will be with us. So hit the like button, subscribe, rate, and review on your podcast platforms. As always, we will talk to you tomorrow. Ivy Nation Sports Talk.
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.